Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to Talk Tech, everyone. Hey, we've got an exclusive for you today. Uh, the first one-on-one interview with the new CEO of Nikola, Steve Gersky. Now, the name's familiar because Steve has been the chairman of Nikola since September of, of last year. He also uh, is known, really, because you know someone else might have done it, but he is the man who led the Special Purpose Acquisition Company, or SPAC, that brought Nikola public back in 2020. So he knows the company intimately. In fact, it's because of him that it's uh, it's out there today. Uh, he had, as I said, been chairman since September of 2020 until the board named him the CEO this month when Michael Loescheller uh, resigned from that position for family reasons. So we'll talk to Steve about his vision and some of the startup's challenges after these headlines. You know, it's funny, Ordstown Motors may well be in bankruptcy reorganization and trying to find a path to survival. Um, but usually that puts everything on hold by way of debt or or other obligations. Not so much this week because uh, Lordstown now has uh, settled with Karma Automotive over a claim of intellectual property theft that uh, Karma made back in, in 2020. A uh, trial was set for that case next month in California. And had it gone forward, it might have really messed up what uh what Lordstown is trying to get done. But uh, now with a $40 million settlement, um, they they are done with this as long as the bankruptcy court and the court in California uh, sign off. That's, uh, by the way, that's way less than $900 million that Karma was seeking, but it does avoid a trial and it keeps Lordstown's reorganization on track. Um, looks like uh, we might be getting another new electric truck company in the US or actually in North America. Electromechanica, which we don't talk a lot about here, and UK startup Teva have agreed to merge. What that basically means is that uh, Electromechanica and the and uh, Teva out of the UK will work together uh, actually to build um, Teva's uh, electric trucks. These will be built uh, around 2025 in a plant that Electromechanica has in Mesa, Arizona, and uh, the split on the on the merger. Uh, Teva is about 76.5% and Electromechanica, which actually had to recall and stop building all of its three-wheel electric vehicles that uh, that happened back in February. Um, Electromechanica has about $89 million on its books, and now it's got a new partner and a new purpose. So best wishes to them. Finally, uh, we have to get a little bit of uh, rail news in here. Cummins is touting its first hydrogen uh, hydrogen-powered fuel cell train in North America. This is the Alstom Island passenger train. It's operating with passengers all summer on the railway in, in train to Charlevoix in Quebec. Now, Cummins sells the fuel cells, and the Accelera uh, unit makes the electrolyzer that, that creates a green hydrogen. And Alstom has been running regular service with the roof-mounted fuel cells in Germany for the last couple of years. Now, let's welcome Steve Gersky. Steve and I have known each other for more than 30 years, dating to when he was a Wall Street analyst at Morgan Stanley, and I was the national automotive reporter for the Associated Press. 
We worked at General Motors at the same time in the 2000s. I think I organized his first ride in a fuel cell-powered vehicle there. He later uh, led Opel before he became part of Stellantis. And in 2018, he formed Vecto IQ, consultancy for transport startups focusing on decarbonization. After more than two years as chairman at Nikola, he is now responsible for the day-to-day operations. Steve, thanks for being here. 30 years is a long time. I think I had hair back then. So <laughs> I think I may have too, but it's more of a bozo ring than anything else. So I'm not sure that I really want to go back, you know? Great. Uh, you know, listen, you, uh, we do have some history. We've known each other for a while. Um, you know, you pretty much, when all this went down three years ago, you pretty much had your pick of companies uh, to merge with. Um, what was it back then that attracted you to Nikola? Um, I thought Nikola was a big idea then. I still think it's a big idea. And I think the thesis is still intact. Let's uh, start at the beginning and let's start with hydrogen. Okay. We had a big hydrogen business at GM. You mentioned you gave me my first ride in a hydrogen truck. And we learned back then that larger vehicles that needed to carry more weight were better suited for hydrogen. Nikola was on the leading edge of putting a hydrogen fuel cell truck on the road. Um, So we thought that was super important that they're on the front end of this. Second, the partners. Okay. Bosch is a big partner. Bosch was a big technical partner. Uh, Bosch was a big diesel supplier. They knew diesel was going away. They were all in on fuel cells, and uh, Nikola was their lead customer. Aveco was also a partner. There's still a relation, a distant relation, let's call it that. But Aveco said to me they this was their zero emission strategy for Europe, and they needed to make this work. So we had big partners that were all in on this. Third, let's look at the model, okay? When we sold a car at GM, we'd sell a car for, what, maybe 40000 bucks. That car would generate another 200 plus thousand in revenue. It would be sold as used a couple times. It'd be financed. It'd be serviced. It'd be fueled. Um, it'd be insured, what have you. And that downstream revenue is more profitable and less cyclical than the OEM revenue. And at GM, we wouldn't capture hardly any of that. Now, here's an opportunity where you launch a truck and you're providing the fueling, the downstream fueling at the same time, sort of the chicken and the egg. And that is super powerful here. And that w- what's make the what's made the vision so powerful, and it's what's going to make the execution so powerful as we get launched. Now, you say the thesis still holds, and I, and I understand where you're coming from. This started as, uh, when you got into it, it was going to be a fuel cell uh, truck company with hydrogen, with maintenance, one package for everything. And I'm sure that in some ways that's going to go forward, although I guess probably a little more flexibility now uh, for, for customers. Um, the, the thesis, though, at the, originally had had the electric truck, the battery electric truck in Europe only. It ended up here. And I guess I wonder at this point, was that a good move to, to make, to, to bring it here? You know, we, we've got, uh, we've got a pretty good inventory left and that's not really your fault. That's more because, you know, the, uh, the, the infrastructure has been slow to catch on, uh, or get a, in place. And certainly some of the incentives take a long time to collect on, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, was this, you know, and I know you don't like to go back much, but was this something that if you were going to do it again, would you still bring a battery electric out first? Well, you and I know each other a long time and you know, I don't like to chew on yesterday's breakfast, right? So, um, but, but let's be clear. Um, there are commonalities between the two. Okay. They share a lot of components. So there is, and they have different use cases. The BEV truck is more short haul. The fuel cell truck is more long haul. So if you can use essentially the same platform and both trucks, I think there's a business case to be made for that. The challenge was 
doing two trucks here and two trucks in Europe and doing your own fuel and doing your own network. And that was that was the challenge. So Nikola today versus a few years ago is a much more focused company. Yeah, well, you've got a, uh, an opportunity. And in fact, with J.B. Hunt, just a couple of weeks ago, agreed to take 10 uh, Bev trucks. Uh, you've got uh, an opportunity now to um, uh, basically uh, whittle that inventory down. And I think you've indicated, uh, or, or Michael did in his last earnings call, that, that that, in fact, would continue in the third quarter. So, you know, and as that inventory goes, then, of course, the money comes in that you put into the parts and the componentry and so forth. So, um do you like it's not a wind down because I think you still want to do these on a order build to order basis, right? And and you said it earlier, the adoption rate has been slower than expected. Um, it's hard to find early adopters here. There's people who want to try onesies and twosies. I was shown data today that we are the second largest, uh, have the number two market share in zero emission class A trucks, which is not a lot, but um, and it's something we want to grow, but. Yeah, I mean, we got to get these early adopters out there. We got to prove that they work. Remember, there hasn't been a lot of new technology to this magnitude in this industry in a long time. So getting this launched, getting this inventory down, and then we can make a decision on when to start up again and how much to start. But in the near term, we got this hydrogen truck that we're launching and we're going to launch it in late September. Right, right. So you've got, uh, um, you know, as you as you start in the CEO role, you know, what have you learned, and it's been a, a, an interesting journey, one that I've probably written more about your company than anything else over the last few years. What have you learned in, in the last three years that really helps you now running the company on a day-to-day basis? So I would say, you know, in the last three years, if you look at early Nikola, I would call it big eyes, small stomach, okay? They wanted to do a lot of things, which required a lot of resources and a lot of capital. And remember that the group that mass produces a vehicle is not the same group that, or the group that does prototypes is not the same group that mass produces. It's usually a different team. It's a much bigger team and the resources required to do that are large. So I would say what I've learned over the last three years is the need to focus. And Michael put that in place. uh, And my goal is to continue that focus. We can't do a BEV truck for Europe, a fuel cell truck for Europe, a BEV truck for the U.S., a a fuel cell truck for the U.S., and do hydrogen, and do stations, and do dispensing, and all this stuff at the same time. We need to focus our resources. Resources are tight, and we need to be mindful of that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Well, your resources are a little better than they were, say, two weeks ago. We know that now. I mean, you know, it took a little bit of work. And thank you to the governor of... Uh, of Delaware for his signature, but you do have some flexibility now in your finances because of the share uh, authorization. And I know that was something that was maybe a little touch and go for a while, but once uh, once the threshold came down a little bit, it became doable. Let's talk just a little bit about that because with flexibility, that allows you obviously to you know keep building, to focus on the fuel cell truck. Uh, what what uh, what kind of things do you see yourself doing? I know, for example. And Terra Capital has, you know, converted its uh, debt with uh, your debt to equity. Um, what else do you see some of that money going for? Some of that 
flexibility. So uh, listen, we need to raise more capital here. We've been upfront about that. We understand how much we need to raise. We There's dilutive ways and non-dilutive ways. Okay. Non-dilutive ways are things like asset sales and stuff like that, which there's uh, some of that laying around here. And the dilutive ways are issuing more shares. We have the flexibility to issue more shares. But remember, it all comes down to this, Alan. We need validation. We need to validate that we could launch this truck and we could build the hydrogen highway and get that launch. Once that gets validated, I have high confidence that investors will come and want to support this. And that's all coming together in the fourth quarter. Okay. Everything this company has worked towards from three years ago since I joined is coming together in the fourth quarter uh, when we launch the hydrogen semi truck and we start to launch the hydrogen highway and launch it in California. So it's a pretty exciting time around here. And I'll tell you this, nobody thought we could engineer a truck and we did. Nobody thought we could produce a truck and we are, and nobody thought we could sell a truck and we are. And yes, it hasn't been easy. There's been a lots of ups and downs here, but this team is incredibly resilient to go ev- through everything they went through and basically get back on the field again every day, every week, every month, because they believe in the mission. And that's the difference between Nikola and the others. We're doing this because we believe in the mission. We're not doing this to generate credits or because somebody's forcing us to or something like that. Everybody here believes in the mission. Yeah. Well, I know you do. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I want to just take a quick detour here, Steve, for, for a minute. Because of your background in so many areas besides, obviously, Nicola, uh, you know, you know a lot about the what happened for a couple of years with the SPAC frenzy. And I realized that this is not uh, something that is, you know, much of a story anymore. In fact, you might say they've got all but poof. What what happened over those last couple of years and what's happened since and what should we be learning from that? So so Alan, let's let's be clear. SPACs were not a new phenomenon. They've always been around. It's been somewhat cyclical. It's just an alternative way of raising capital. It's something that's more forward looking versus backward looking. And I think you were at a period of time, my opinion, you were at a period of time in the markets when interest rates were very low, the government was throwing a lot of money into the economy. And the risk profile of investors basically widened out. Investors in general were willing to take more risk. As interest rates went up and the Fed started to slow things down, uh, the risk profile started to contract. And you saw a lot of these high growth names um, basically shrink in market cap, shrink in uh, value. And it's become tougher, not just for SPACs, for IPOs, for venture. Every capital raising of all sorts has gotten a lot tighter in the last three years. Yeah, and no question about that. I mean, we were in the hundreds, and now we can barely make the teens of these things. But I think you indicate they'll be back at some time. You know, when the markets are, are more favorable, when the capital is easier. I suppose I don't know. Okay, let's go back to Nikola. Um, you know, and these are arbitrary dates. I'm going to throw at you. Okay, uh, what is it that you want to get done in the next six months? You're smiling. That's good. Keep smiling. What is it that you want to get done in the next six months? So my first priority is not to screw up the momentum that's already been generated here. Uh, This company had a lot of momentum. We'd like to continue the momentum. Yeah, there's been some hiccups in the first week, but that's okay. We are driving forward in that regard. Second priority is get that fuel cell truck launched. Its start of production is going to be late September. Uh, There'll be an event here. We'll invite you to it. And um, uh, that's priority number two. And priority number three is launch the hydrogen highway. Get trucks on the road, hundreds of trucks on the road, uh, up and down these highways, our trucks being fueled with Hyla fuelers. Those are the priorities. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, it's it's enough to keep you busy, I'm sure. 
How about, uh, and you're, I see you're in, you are in Phoenix and, you know, did you close in your house that you, that you expected to? I, I rented a condo. I took the keys Monday. I got a car on Tuesday and um, it's been 115 every day I've been here so far. Tomorrow I'm going from, uh, or I'm taking a ride from Phoenix to LA in a hydrogen fuel cell truck. So I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be my first real ride on the truck, not around the demo track. So pretty exciting. If you're on Route 10, you can wave to me, but uh, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Well, can I tell you something that I would follow in Phoenix, which is head covering, okay? Let's just be careful out there. <laughs> okay. And I can say that, Steve. Really, I can. All right. So, so okay, one more date for you. Uh, two years. Where is Nicola in two years? Because, you know, we've had a lot of people who didn't, as you said, never thought you'd do anything that you've done. You've done a bunch of stuff. Where are you two years from now? Two years from now, my vision is we will have thousands of hydrogen trucks on the hydrogen highway being fueled by our Hyla fuelers, uh, our network. We're putting this network in place. We want vehicles on the road uh, using our network and supplying a zero emission transportation solution to all that want it. And we'll have a much cleaner carbon footprint because of it. Well, and I like what you said. I mean, when you think about it, I love the, the example of uh, big eyes, small stomach, because I remember when there were so many products and so many things that Nikola wanted to do, and it was clearly not going to happen because it was it just you didn't have the resources for it, even though you had resources. But so let me ask you though about um, let me ask you about a couple things. These are these are tougher questions. I think you're a big boy, and I know you can handle them. Given the Proterra bankruptcy organization from last week, um, how concerned are you about being able to get consistent deliveries of battery packs for the fuel cell trucks. So that, that's the product, uh, you know, that's the battery that you chose for that one. And, you know, I just am, am curious. I mean, I think they're, they actually started their second production line yesterday, I was told, in South Carolina. So, you know, they're going on like business as usual, sort of. Well, we're going on like business as usual also. We've been in touch with them. They're a great battery company. Uh, I expect they will come through this uh, this chapter 11 process. As you know, it's a process. We've gotten no indication that there's any liquidity issues whatsoever there. So they've been a great battery supplier and we expect them to continue to be a great battery supplier. We look forward to working with well, them they, in the future. They do get high mark- I, I mean, Steve, they get high marks for their product. I was in that plant uh, last month or in June, I should say. And uh, it, it's pretty impressive the way they, they put their products together. Um, you know, it is common though for EV companies uh, that rely on batteries, um, you know, to set up kind of a dual sourcing. Is that something, if you can tell me, that you are looking at or you think you'll be okay uh, in the near term or what do you think? So remember, this business doesn't have scale. The trucking business in general doesn't have the scale that uh, sort of the OEMs would have. Like, uh, So that's why they use a Cummins engine or a Meritor axle or what have you. So um our view is, listen, we use Proterra on the fuel cell truck. Uh, they were a backup plan to the Romeo battery that we were using on the BEV truck. Uh, we expect Proterra to be supply all of our fuel cell truck needs. That said, we constantly look for other sources down the line. But again, uh, we expect all our fuel cell batteries to be sourced by Proterra. Yeah, good. Let's switch over to hi- uh, hydrogen for just a moment or back to hydrogen, I guess. You know, your energy president, Kerry Mendez, and his predecessor did a lot to get partners for uh, Nicholas' plan for hydrogen distribution. Um, the Vol- 
the Volterra financial backing of up to 50 hydrogen stations is probably one of the bigger announcements of its kind, at least so far. How confident are you as production begins of the fuel cell trucks that you'll have uh, all the hydrogen where you need it and when you need it to keep the trucks on the road? Uh, and that speaks to the launch, Alan. Can, things need to come together around the launch of this thing. This is not a spray and pray and blast these trucks wherever they go like a traditional truck, right? We need to launch. We need supply. We need the ability to dispense and we need the right routes. And then we need the customers to find the route. So it's a little like an upside down pyramid in a way. So where are we going to get supply? Early on, it's going to be the West Coast. It's going to be the Northeast, maybe Canada. Okay. That's where we'll get early on in supply. Okay. Where are we going to dispense this? It'll be up and down these highways, maybe every 250, 300 miles. We can use mobile fuelers at first, so we don't have to put hard assets in the ground. Mobile fuelers are about uh, 25% of the cost of a station. And the, and there's a lot of new technology coming in hydrogen storage. So the liquid mobile fuelers can fuel maybe 30 trucks. Um, so again, you start with where do I have supply? You start with where can I dispense? What routes are we going to run? What customers run those routes? And that's how we know where we want to put these trucks and where we're going to target the early trucks. Well, and you know, I remember the, the original plan, I think the first one, maybe it still is, was Phoenix and the LA area because of Budweiser uh, or Ionizer Bush. Um, I presume that you're looking at other routes now where it makes sense to work with Volterra or whomever. I mean, obviously California is first because, you know, they've got the first, I think it's eight stations um, that have been identified. Um, you know, there, there probably are some other routes that, that, that you're looking at. Is that something that you're now able, because again, go back to resources, you've got the resources to do what you need to do. Um, can you start to map out some of these others if you haven't done that already? Right. It's, uh, I mean, we have, we have maps of a lot of things here. It's just, what do we have the resources to do? And it's really called land and expand, get these routes down, get density on the routes then build the next routes and gradually build this network out, uh, further and further. So partners like Volterra are super important to us because they help us move this along faster. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, I've, I've talked to, you know, uh, Matt at Volterra and they're, uh, you know, a lot of their folks, Jonathan Colbert and others, they, they're pretty enthusiastic, even though I think they are, you know, looking at doing, you know, battery electric charging with a lot of their locations, having a high level presence is clearly in the plan and something that I think, you know, you couldn't do much better since speaking of resources, they have a lot of them, you know, they've got, they've got quite a bit. Um, I want to ask you, again, uh, this is a toughie. You know it's coming, and I'm going to ask you. You have a very complicated relationship, Steve, uh, with Trevor Milton, the, the founder of the company. Um, you know, you brought him public. Uh, you introduced him to Mary Barra at GM. That didn't work out so well, uh, as it turns out. And now you've just concluded an arbitration uh, where Nicola's trying to, you know, recover some, some money that it spent to defend Milton and also, I think, you know, for a fine. That, uh, that, you know, you're paying the SEC. To the extent that you can say anything, what should we expect here? What do you expect, I guess? So let's be clear. My relationship was with the company, with the management of the company at the time. Uh, I knew Milton a little bit, but not a lot. Um, and But my relationship's always been with the company. As far as the arbitration goes, uh, we've been public. It's been on our public filings that we've been in arbitration with him. Uh, we've made our case to the arbitrator. He's made theirs. It's up to the arbitrators to decide and we'll know in probably a couple months. Okay. Okay. Thank you for not just tossing that one aside. 
Okay, I have one more for you. And as he used to say, speaking of Anheuser-Busch, I'll let you off the uh, Budweiser hot seat after this. You've been a sell-side analyst, correct? Sell-side on Wall Street. Uh, you helped run one of the largest automakers in the world when you were the vice chairman of General Motors. You've done turnarounds. You've counseled CEOs and union leaders. Where does your three-year journey at Nikola fit among your career challenges? So I have to say this is the most challenging uh, experience I've ever had and also the most rewarding. To be with this group of people who are just so resilient and so focused on the mission and basically everything that's happened here, uh, they get up, they get off of the ground and they start going at it again. Every day, uh, they attack the challenges that come their way and uh, do more. And it's just, it's challenging. You've seen what happens, what's gone on from the outside, the level of scrutiny of this company. But to come to work, listen, I've been here, this is my day eight, and I'm excited to come to work here. And people say to me, after the first week, you're going to come back? And of course, I'm coming back. I mean, absolutely. I couldn't wait to get back here. So uh, it's pretty exciting time. It's pretty challenging time. Fourth quarter is where it all comes together for this company. Three years worth of vision, three years worth of execution are all coming together in the fourth quarter when we launch the hydrogen fuel cell semi-truck and we launched the Hydrogen Highway. Listen, you've been terrific. You're a man of your word. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the tough questions. Uh, and I, of course, I wish you all the best. We'll be watching. You know that. I'll probably be in touch with your folks before too, too long. And uh, thanks for, again for being here, Steve. Listen, next week, folks, we have uh, a little bit of a different show for you. We're going to talk about highway safety, specifically an AI approach to it through a company called Nato. Our guest will be Stephen Hecht, Stephen Hecht, who is the CEO of Nato, and we may have a second guest uh, along with him. As with that show and this one, if you didn't get it live, uh, you can catch everything we do on the FreightWaves YouTube channel. Uh, go to Shows, click on Truck Tech, and you can get a playlist there of all of our shows. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.